Okay, good evening. It's 7 p.m. Um, over here um, in the States, and today is the conversation outspoken and opinionated. Of course, I'm your host, Edwin Maya. I have an amazing person for you guys today. Those who've been watching our social media pages, you've seen we have been advertising. So I want you guys to come in. Let's have a great conversation. This is somebody I respect, I admire, and over the couple of years, I tend to follow all the time. And so I want you guys to join me as we welcome. Barku. Okay, guys. So today's show basically is with Barku. I think um, a lot of us know Barku from Barku in the Barku Tubman, um, Miss Boss Lady, um, every all the ventures that she has. And but today I really want to talk to her about Barku the person. I think you know we can all do this. This is going to be great. I Everything can hear you. High, and she's back. And Woo! I can hear you. I told you guys this is what happened. This is live. <laughs> this is what happens all the time. So it's not even a problem. But so you were here, you were, I'm going first, you know, I wish if we were in the studio, I'd be like bowing because this is amazing because it's like 11 o'clock in Liberia and you're here and I'm so excited and I appreciate you. But from us to you, we want to send you so much love and we know this oh, is amazing. Thank you. So, I just telling the people that I'm just excited to be with the original boss lady. <laughs> because if people don't know, you are the original boss lady. But I want to tell you something. So there's a little gossip. So there's uh -oh. a little gossip that happened here. So when we post okay. the fire, I got a text message from one of my cousins saying, oh, so this is what it is. It's going to be Tubman and Barkley. I'm like, what are you talking about? Because my mom is President Barkley's daughter. And then so on the venture, you come on stage. So I was like, y'all need to stop that gossip. Y'all stop that right now. I ain't got nothing to do with this. It's just so happy that we met each other. We know each other. So y'all don't do that. So that's that a little gossip in my family group chat. That's, that's what they're talking right now. That's what they're talking right now. That's what they're talking right now. Yeah, I'm like, but you know what? That's a, I just go straight in and I just want you know, just tell the people, how are you doing? How's everything <sighs> with you? I'm great. I'm I'm great. I have so many amazing things happening. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you know this, Edwin. You you uh, uh, are a real friend and supporter, and you know, hence why I will stay up at for eleven, twelve, one, two, three, four, five a.m. for you. Did y'all hear that? <laughs> you you walk the walk, and you from the first time I met you, you you were harassed, and I was like, oh my god, I just love him. Um, and uh, so showing up for you is never a problem for me. Uh, I'm great. I have the, uh, you know, MBL. Remember, well, you know, I do the show conversations with boss ladies. Yes. Um, you know, you're, 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 you're. And by the way, that you're, was amazing today. Thank you, thank you, thank you. That was Topeka super, was incredible. super amazing. And you know, conversations is our first cousin, so. Um, yeah. You know, <laughs> so, uh, you know, you're 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 our first cousin, so. Um, I started doing the show during the pandemic and wanted to just, you know, just from everybody's feedback, wanted to do something that was just on a larger platform or in a way to collect, uh, uh, um, connect our voices, you know, for African women in Africa and the diaspora, uh, just sort of connecting us under together, um, you know, talking about how we navigated, you know, COVID and, and this new reality or the new normal. And I created the Boss Lady Effect Summit because the Boss Lady Effect is actually my nonprofit. Ah. You know, where we, yeah, it's actually my nonprofit. We're actually launching a new program. Our programs before, we actually changed the name. We have a program before where we partner with Black Girls Rock. I've had Liberian girls go to the Black Girls Rock camp. Mm -hmm. um, we, we have a student contractor program where we create opportunities for students in Liberia to experience an alternative career career opportunities um, through programs and 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 and, and uh, work that we do, um, and the goal is to also you know create a global network of boss ladies. You know, so one of the the two things that we do is we change the world one boss girl at a time um, because we're reaching back to the to the new generation, the next generation, making sure we equip them. Uh, to understand, you know, their value. We start in um, uh, uh, underserved communities in Liberia, and then we also create the network, which is uh, where we grow our network to grow our net worth. But in doing so, we must change the world one boss girl at a time. So we're actually launching a new program that I'm really excited about. It's called I Am Legacy. It's really to speak to young girls, and no matter where they find themselves, uh, to know that they legacy starts with them. You know, regardless of being a tough man or a 
legacy starts with you. Yes. God bless the child that has or her own. That's Whoa. You know, oh, yeah. That's my mom saying right there. <laughs> you know? So yeah. so that's what it is. And so we have the summit, the boss lady effect. Um, is denied. And, and, and so part of the, the conversations was about connecting women to build this global network uh, of, of boss ladies. And so I created the Boss Lady Effect Summit. Um, and Essence, I've now since partnered with Essence. We came together, same idea. They have a huge platform, you know, bigger amplification. And so now we, it's now the Essence I Am Speaking Summit. So um, everybody, it's it's airing on EssenceStudios.com and Essence.com on May 6th at um, 5 p.m. Eastern and 9 p.m. GMT. So uh, stay, keep following Essence and my platform to see how you get free passes. And um, I'm really excited. We have Madam Sirleaf. We have the CEO of Shea Moisture. We have the CEO of Essence. We have Valerie from who owns R&R Luxury. Um, we have Nicole, who was the creator of An African City. We have Jocelyn Dumas, you know, wow. award-winning actress. Right. We have Wade Powell, CEO of Shremex. I mean, we have, we know, I'm, I, we, we bringing it in. We, you know, I'm that, pulling these women. And I would say that because that is why I'm so drawn to you because I feel it's like, it's not just all about you. You have given everything that you have achieved to make sure that other people behind you can achieve even more than what you have. And so that's what I, I'm like always like, I'm like following you, making sure I'm like, oh, what she's doing? I'm going to go Google it and see what they're doing. Like, that's my life. But listen, I think, and it's funny because when I ask you just now, how are you doing? You just went into everything else about what you're doing and all that stuff. And I want that's what I, I want people to really understand because I don't think people got it. But I'm going to go back to back with the person. So let's go back. I want to go back memory lane. So I know uh, reading about you, I realized that you left Liberia in 1980. And you guys and your family transitioned to the States. That's and right. so how was that? Oh, so you know what's so funny? I'm going to go back a little bit and then answer your question. You're so right. Like as boss ladies and just normally when people say, how are you doing? We automatically go into how to keep doing, how you never talk about us. I'm personally tired, but I'm 100% but motivated by the things that I have. You know, I'm, 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 you know, that's my high right now. So it keeps me motivated, yeah. but I'm, I'm actually tired. I'm looking forward to next week when I can actually get a massage or just really time and really spend time with my kids because this week is hectic. So other than that, I'm doing great because I know I'm very blessed, but yeah. physically I'm just like, I need a massage. Um, so I, I got to get better at doing that. You're hundred percent right. Like, you know, I went into everything else, but, um, coming to the, going to America in 1980, um, you know, there's something about parenting that I've learned because back then, obviously, I they didn't know nothing about no parenting. Uh, one of the things that parents, I think, try to do as much as they possibly can, especially for people like us who had to leave home uh, abruptly, you know, with no plans and basically wasn't coming back and left with maybe a suitcase. Um, I have to applaud my parents for trying to make it feel normal, as normal as they possibly could. So at first we were living in a hotel. It was like a gang of us. Like we, you know, we were, I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, offend anybody's race, but we were like, you know, it's that stays in, a, in like a ton of us in one, 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 one place. Um, but it was fun. I was with my cousins and stuff. And then, you know, then you start to realize, okay, well, you know, this is going to be like home for a while. And, and, um, and eventually we, we, we found our footing and um and got settled in new york city i grew up in manhattan actually i grew up on 65th street between second and third avenue so you know yeah i i went to you know went to united nations international school um you know i didn't do bad we, my parents you know family my aunt my aunt Shad, my uncle is yaku i had lots of parents you know um my dad um so where we were so it wasn't it was a it was crazy but i think you know what parents do is try to create at least for their children, as much as they can, you know, some semblance of normalcy so you don't get to see the stress. I saw the stress more when we were in Liberia before we left. Once we got there, um, you know, I, 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 I didn't really feel anything, although it was different. What was, what was I think, more difficult was getting adjusted to a new school, you know, because, you know, at the age, you know, you're like, what, in like fourth grade? You, you know, you're like, you're trying to figure it out. 
so that was that that was the thing for me you know because we just left abruptly because you know we everybody had to leave basically and so you guys leave Liberia, you go to the US, you guys settle in New York City, one of the biggest city in the world. You're coming from little bitty Liberia and now you're in the city. So how was that for a like for a little Liberian girl with all those skyscrapers? So we had traveled before. Uh -huh. Um however, you know, listen, I think I think I've, you know, when I was small, they used to always say to me, you the first but you know i'm frisky but who frisk it out frisky you know like you know i i was always outgoing i was one who would you know i used to tell my uncle my mom would tell me that i would tell my uncle uncle so-and-so i won't call him Nemo here because he's one of my favorite uncles um <laughs> uncle so-and-so you could be bringing your hobo jewels there right like i mean i was just <laughs> <laughs> so i realized that you know frisky really me meant boss you know and um you know i wasn't i don't think i was afraid i think i was unapologetic i, I like i see people today that tell me you know older people today that tell me oh, the flower girl my wedding I, I at one point i had to ask my mom were you fees because i wasn't i was the flower apparently i was cute and had a big mouth and you know just was not afraid to walk down the aisle and i think i just always i think I've just always been that person to just sort of assert myself and just sort of go with the flow, do what I want to do and not feel like there's a space that I don't belong in, but I wasn't raised to think that I didn't belong anywhere. So I think getting adjusted, the skyscrapers weren't that big of a deal. Cause we lived in a skyscraper. We lived in a very tall building. Like we, lived in a, okay. you know, we lived in a high rise. Um, so it was, you know, it was, it wasn't, it wasn't crazy. I think what was crazier is watching my parents because oh. they had to, Adjust, adjust you know more so than than us you know they had to adjust while making it feel like it's normal for us so there are times where you you think about it you reflect you're like okay uh, uh um everybody was on air or you know whatever people like everybody seemed a little bit displaced mm -hmm. until they weren't you know until it became like this is where we're going to be and then for a while my mother actually came back to liberia and then um i'm like okay well you know what you're doing but so she would come back and forth and you know my parents weren't married so i didn't live with my dad i was with my mom her sister uncle that's why i said i have like you know i have um i have, I have many parents that are responsible for the the woman that i am today amazing and that's what it said it takes a village to raise a, to, to raise a child right absolutely yeah but so you know i want to so matriculating into the u.s school you guys, you know, you went to school and all that stuff because I know what I experienced when I came over here in high school. But was there any prejudice or any place where you had to fit in? You know, they call us those names of African booty scratcher. Did you experience any one of that? Here's the thing. So again, the, the, the weird thing about that, I, I heard the term African booty scratcher to United Nations International School. Everybody was there from a different country. So yes everybody was from a different country and not just because my you know like people were like they they from their countries like they were only in america because they either worked at the un or you know but their culture was ingrained in them even the kids like so if you even went to like if i went to a friend of mine who was japanese I you could you felt like you were in Japan because how they ate at the dinner table was very much how their culture you know, i had my my friend from turkey you know sitting so didn't have that typical however we did have some black americans that's where the prejudice came in and um but it was more so because you i was like a student and those people are actually my greatest friends today but <laughs> but you know it's like i was a new student so i didn't deal with that as much until really i went to high school so when i left the un school i went to boarding school in princeton new jersey the hunt school in princeton new jersey um and there were only three black people, but even there, I was actually, you know, I, I was, you know, I think I, I think I talk about it sometimes, you know, if something say like, you don't even know, sometimes you don't know in America, you didn't know you were black until you knew you were black. You just knew you were African. And then, you know, <laughs> so when you start the only, like there's two to three black people, then you're like, oh, oh, I remember that. Oh, okay, oh. yeah. Okay, okay, so now right. I understand. I see why they're looking at me funny. Oh, because I'm black. Right. Yeah. Right. You're right. Like, why am I able to just coexist with these people? Just because, you know, coming, you know, coming from Liberia, even 
even with the war, and we like when we got to like, I mean, when we got to America, regardless of when you went to America, you never went to America thinking you didn't belong in a space, like you know, no, it was like, okay. exactly. You, you, you know what I mean? It's like white, black, pink, purple, green. Okay, like okay, I want to be. Like, it's like when they start asking you like your race on an application, you like what difference does that make? And I think a lot of uh, I think because I hung around a lot of Nigerians, and I think that's some of the issue that we had because we we're like, okay, what's the big deal? What's what's the problem? They're like, oh no, you know, you're black or you're African American or you were non-black or Hispanic. I'm like, what? Like, right. what? What is, what? What is that going to do? Exactly. But I, that also, I think, coming from Liberia, other West African countries may um, have this have this thing on us. Well, it's easy for us to transition into the mix. I don't know how it, what it is, but I think it's like me and most of my West African friends. We just like you know just jump in and life just went on. It's like this right. is what it's supposed to be. So this is it. Absolutely. But you know, you 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 leave. So you leave Princeton, and then you get into Ilan University College. You go to Ilan. So I want to ask you, were you the so how was college life? Because you know we see you now. We just want to know how was college life. I love college. I, I, college life was fun. I listen. I don't allow to nobody. I, in college, I was not no A student. Um, I was the girl who went to college because I knew I had to. I didn't know what other direction I was supposed to go to. Plus, you know, I still needed my parents to support me. Um, and, you know, I wanted the good time and the education. So, you know, I sort of balanced the two. And that's as balanced as my grades got to. Um, you know, my first semester when when I didn't really know anybody actually was on the 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 um, the dean's list, and that was the last time it was there. But I think I've always been the person who understood the understand the value of education, ac like academic academics, also understand the value of life, you know, and so mm -hmm. life experiences. So for me, I like to couple those two, and I think they're both extremely valuable. Um, so college for me was great. I mean, I. Uh, I mean, I, college was when I actually became a black person. Then you had those brains in America. That, that was so funny. I actually think I've never said that, but I think as I think about it, that is actually where I became a black person because college. I went to school in North Carolina. It was so segregated. Yet again, I you know I had white friends, but I really connected more with the black people. You know, they, they we li they lived in specific dorms and you know i enjoyed th those parties better than the other parties you know my friends were there kappa sweetheart like i mean i you know i i i pledged aka long story um oh. i'm giving you all types of insights right now yeah, i'm not gonna, this, I'm I'm not gonna give you the details but i'm yeah, gonna give you some of that <laughs> i'm gonna give you details because i'm saving that for another thing but i'll just give you some of those little hints um, you know, still great friends with the with my line sisters. Um, other stories apart of that, but you know, it'll you'll read it in the book the day I, whenever it comes out. But so I, I I literally enjoyed my I, like I loved my college life. College was so much fun. The people out there, I was in the um, I was in the gospel choir. Um, I loved the 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 trips we used to take. I mean, college was very a very important part to my development process. It really actually showed me what the real world was because you, I really was black in college and had to identify and not only had to, but did identify more with, you know, the blacks on this because I could relate to them more, especially being in North Carolina, it really was segregated. And I like you say that because for me, it was the opposite. So I came to college and I didn't want to go to an HBC because I said, Oh, my life, I ran around black people. Can I go somewhere where it's, there's some integration, there's some other race. So I, when I tell people I went to UNBC, they're like, you went to Baltimore City? Where was I said, no, but I went to a school that had more Asians than any other race. Mm. And so there was, uh, yeah, Asians are the majority and Nigerians. Mm. Yeah, so I, there were Asians, Nigerians, and people from Jordan. That's where I knew about Jordan, the country Jordan. And that's a conversation for another day because those kids paid their tuition freshman year for the entire four years. I know that's right. Man, I, I believe, what? I got big ball in shot Yeah, that, so it was a whole different experience for me, just the culture and all that kind of yeah. stuff. But I want us to do this groundwork because I wanted people to know where you're from, how you're doing, let them really understand who you are. Then we'll go into the big stuff. So okay. I'm going to give you a story, right? I will tell you this okay. story. So okay. I was in grad school. I had a friend who was, um, she was doing, she was, I think she was 
She was getting her master's in communication and she runs to my dorm room, about to break my door. I'm like, girl, what's going on? She said, you know what? I just read this article. There's this article on BBC about this girl called Baku Tubman and she's talking about, and I mean, she's going, I'm like, okay, can I read the article that you're talking about? So this is an article, I wrote it down. This is an article that was, it was posted on BBC website on October 3rd, 2011. Hmm. And it was called the article. The title of the article was "African Dream: Liberian Baku Tubman." Hmm. Yeah. Okay. That's the first time I heard about you. Really? She, yes. She was so amazed about this girl from West Africa who's talking about going back to Liberia. But I think you've been because Madame Salif already became press. Like it was an amazing article, and I was like, "Okay, who is this?" So of course, you know, we started to research and everything, and then I find out about this big, uh, uh um. You were also like an executive in the in the in the music industry. Now it's like, okay, hold up. We need to talk about this. We need to really, really research this person because we need to know who this person is. So now this is where I'm gonna go. So let's talk about that gig or that tenure. Let me not say gig, the tenure. You're wow. in the music industry. What how did you land that opportunity? Oh my god. So the music industry is one of the greatest parts of my journey ever. Like, I loved being in the music industry. Um, it really allowed me to put all of my fears aside, um, step in rooms with some of some other seriously powerful people that really shape our culture. Um, and you know you just walking through doors and and you know it's a back then especially male dominated industry and i was able to basically make shit happen you know i was um i worked with violator with the, the late great chris lighty and the phenomenal mona scott young who is now the creator and the executive producer of love and hip-hop amongst mm -hmm. many other things um I was one of the, I was actually the first person to write like a business plan and strategy for Family Tree Entertainment. I was president of Family Tree, one of his founding members. Where and she's we, on my show, people. Where we manage um, Outcast and um, uh, who else did we have? Macy Gray and Blue Cantrell. And, you know, from there, I also had, uh, I, I started my own company, you know, Miss Boss Lady Entertainment, and I managed uh, Donnell Jones next, uh, Grammy producer, uh, Robert, DJ Twin, had uh, uh, stat, fashion stylists, um, songwriters, um, and um, I just, you know, I just had some great opportunities. I worked with Brooke Payne, who, who is 617 Management, you know, who managed New Edition. That's where I actually worked with Usher. I was handling Usher's day-to-day. -day. Um, who else? Uh, I, that's where I met Bobby and Whitney. Got to work on the New Edition um, reunion project. Um, God, I feel like Lisa, I wish Lisa and my friend was on here so they can help rem remind me of all the things that I did. Quadri Elamine, Southpaw Entertainment, Boys to Men, Janet Jackson. So I actually worked with probably all those prominent black owned management companies. And then I had my own, I had a production company with TBT Records. That was a record that uh, Little John and Yin Yang Twins were on as well. Okay. Um, and I had an artist Osolo that was signed to them as well. And so my 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 uh, uh, path to getting into the entertainment industry was <laughs> oh god, I, I used to want to be a rapper. Hey! So, <laughs> hey! <laughs> You're not what bought all those CDs. Well, here's the funny, they used to have these parties in like Staten Island. So I didn't, you know, that's when I would hang out. I would have time to go go to Liberia and hang out with like my, you know, my Liberia crew. I would be, I would actually perform at those parties. So there might be some people like, yeah, the late, the late uh, Carlton Carr, God rest his soul. And, you know, Bian Kessley and, and Iva Tukba and, and the late Jeremiah. So it's been a crazy 2020. We lost some amazing people, but, um, uh, you know, too black, too strong. They had these parties, Rich Lou Dennis, you know, they all used to play like in these basketball tournaments and, mm -hmm. and I would perform at those, at those, at those, at those parties. And, um, I actually did a read with Shaq and Jiba for their keep on trying song. I actually oh. performed that with them. <laughs> <laughs> 
You see, I told you I was going to take you back memory lane. You really did. I told you. I, I said, as I'm, as I'm regurgitating, I'm like, oh, shit, I really did that. Oh, damn. Oh, okay. And so, you know. I wanted to I wanted to be in front of the camera, but I also then recognize that, you know, there's a business, at, uh, uh, you know, there's a business aspect of how people, you know, make this thing happen is not just artists that just get, you know, uh, 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 to see the camera. There's something there's a machine that's working around them to help make them successful. So I really started to spend time wanting to understand what that was. And um, and it led me to where I started to get into management more because I wanted to understand business. I also think it was my father's. I don't think he wanted me to be a rapper. And I think his prayers were a little bit stronger than mine. So, um, so, you know, fast forward, you know, I, I end up, you know, having a very successful career in the, in the entertainment industry, you know, with artists winning many awards, um, you know, producing some major national tours. We were on tour with Destiny's Child, Alicia Keys, you know, all types of stuff. So, I mean, it's, 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 that's how I got there, but it wasn't, it started out because I, because I went into the industry, uh, my brother-in-law, uh, Eddie Brown was working at Motown and I was like, I want to get into this. Uh, this is a space I want to get into. And he was like, you know, only thing I know is our travel agent is looking to hire somebody. I said, I want the job because that travel agent basically only handled, mostly handled entertainment clients. So Motown, that time Latifah, Santa Motown, Gerald Busby, there was Motown Cafe. Um, and uh, they used to handle like some, some other record labels and other, and other you know, clients, uh, uh, Biv 10 Records, who my mentor teacher Tate was the, the, the general manager there. And so I was like, I just want that, I just want to get through the door. Cause I'm the type of person, like if you, if you open one door for me, I promise you I will get to the next and I will get to the next. And I don't take any opportunity for granted. And I feel like, you know, everything is, is a path to where you want to go. You got to just be calculated. So uh, the Traveling Taj was the agency and I worked with them. That's how I connected with the, the artists and the clients. And of course, I over delivered. This is where I built my relationship with these people who then eventually became colleagues, some of the clients and some of them partners. This is beautiful. But with all that you just said, just give me one person that you enjoyed working with, one artist. Oh my God. Oh God. I can name them because I like I loved, loved Outcast. Andre and Big Boy are amazing. Big Boy a little bit crazy. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I like I, the, the two together are absolutely incredible. And then, you know, people get to become your family because like, yeah. you know, um, God rest her soul. Like, you know, unfortunately she passed, we were at the funeral. Like they become family, like they're family, family. And um, I love Donnell, Donnell Jones was great for me because that was an opportunity to really partner with an artist to really help build, you know, their, uh, you know, their success, their business and their brand and to see what he's doing now and how he's groomed because there was a lot of things that we were fighting back then to get him to do. Now he's recognized it. And so when they reach back also and be like, oh my God, like, you know, we got to come see you. I want to meet my nieces and nephew. And, you know, I remember you're trying to get me to do this. And, and, and next one time I saw next and they actually, one of the members like could not stop crying. He was like, nobody has ever taken care of us the way you have, you know? So I, 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 you know, I like every single one of them for reasons because they're also, you know, artist management, baby, you know, we, we used to call it artist management is like a, a babe, uh, glorified babysitting. Okay. Um, and basically you become a parent, you know, you, you navigate these people's career. Um, you basically help them make decisions that will elevate their careers. So it either elevates it or, you know, or they make wrong decisions and it's your job to fix it. So it's, 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 it's a, and then artists change artists, change managers like underwear that's what we say so when you see an artist that's with a, a manager for a long time you're like whoa because no, the goal to come back the goal to come back you know i used to always be like we're some crazy people to deal with crazy like we are we are purposely dealing with crazy people because creative people you know we all a little yeah. bit nuts so you know so basically I, I mean everybody has something that i love and some uh -huh. things that were just annoying as ever good so that life is great. I can imagine. I can imagine you traveling. I can imagine you walking into places that you don't, they just need to look at you and say, VIP, man. I can just imagine <laughs> the life. And so this amazing life, you moved to Liberia. <laughs> That's where we're going. And you Ooh. moved 
just giving us the dream of a lot of young women. A lot of young women want that dream, but can you tell us what happened for you to just, I know you didn't just get up and leave because I can tell that you're a planner. I know stuff happened, but you just moved to Liberia. I did like crazy person, you know, gift and the curse, you know, some regrets, but really none at all because everything happens for a reason. They're, 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 Liberia is a very interesting country, but it, you know, it's home. There's no place like home. Um, so my coming to Liberia was, um, I started to think about it because a few years before I, I started to come to Liberia more, you know, being typical Baku, my mom, uh, uh, you know, come to visit me in the States or in, you know, and, and by the time she gets there, I'm all over the place, I'm in studios, I'm traveling, you know, one, and one year she came, um, one year she came and, you know, let's say she came on a Wednesday, I jumped on it on a Thursday with Buster Rhymes to go to, to, to LA for, um, I think it was MTV Awards and got a call, we're sitting in the restaurant to say your mom had a stroke and she's in the hospital. And she was in Jersey, I was in LA. So the next day, of course, you know, I couldn't stay. I jumped on the flight, went back to, uh, to Jersey and there's nothing like seeing your mother live, laying, you know, damn near helpless, you know, in a, in a hospital bed. And that just really triggered my thinking into as much as I love this industry and the, the, you know, we, I joke with, you know, colleagues who were in the music industry back then, especially, you know, it was like, almost like, you know, you, you die, sleep is a cousin of death. Like, you know, it's like, almost like you should train yourself. You know, self-care was not talked about back then a lot. It yeah. was just, you know, it was go, 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 go. Like who can go the first, who can go the longest? Like there's 24 hours in a day. Who's going to work 22 hours? Like, you know, oh, you slept, you know, you, so, there, and so you realize that you're just giving so much of yourself to this industry, which was great. It was fulfilling, um, but takes so much for you. And then I started to think, you know, I need to really start to reorganize and see how I can start thinking about spending more time in Liberia because my mother's getting older. I mean, shoot, she just had a stroke. Thank God she's perfectly fine. It, it was a mild stroke, although, you know, she still uses it today. You're old mother. Um yeah, me <laughs> I we still be dealing with sickness that happened 25 years ago. Oh, you you know, and then you know, fast forward like a couple of years after that, the, the music industry also started to, to change. And um, but I also saw think new things happening in Liberia, you know. Uh, uh the interim president was there now. And I, I, I was like, let me go and see, you know, what's happening. And it's so funny because at that very time I had an opportunity, I just had an interview with Matthew Knowles, who was looking for somebody to come on board and, um, you know, and work with them at a very senior level. And I was, I was uh, recommended by a friend of mine, um, Jonna, and I had the interview, the interview went well. And I said, you know what? Okay, God, if... I'm supposed to stay in Liberia. I mean, stay in America. I'm gonna get the right deal for this, and you know, then I'll stay. If not, then I'm gonna go to Liberia and see. So I talked, you know, talked to all of my clients and said, "Listen, I think I'm gonna be heading to Liberia." You know, I, I can, you know, the air was on then; it wasn't that great, but you know, of course, it's not even like it was now. If, if yeah. I was doing that, if I was doing that now, I probably would probably still very much be actively in the industry, you know, in, in that way, um, because now communication allows you to do a lot more, you know, no matter where you are in the world. Um, and so, you know, I didn't, I didn't get the deal that I really wanted from uh, Matthew at that time. And, uh, but I also think my heart was going to Liberia. So, you know, could I probably have negotiated? Probably, but oh. <laughs> I thought, oh, you know, call me to go to Liberia. And <laughs> mm, <wow>. <laughs> 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 I came to this piece of rotten country. Um, and, and uh, you know, I would go back and forth a lot first. And then, because uh, I was trying to figure it out, you know, I, I hadn't lived in Liberia in so long. Um, yeah. I didn't really, you know, it, was, it wasn't the Liberia that I remember growing up. Um, but there was just this new sense of uh, hope. You know, uh, Madam Sir Leaf had just been elected. It was right before the inauguration. 
uh, one of my, my, my best friends were getting married to, we were doing the whole wedding. It was, you know, it's like a party, party, party. And I'm like, okay, it's great. Everybody's partying. It's wonderful. What happens when it's like regular, like, you know, coming to Liberia for Christmas is wonderful. Yeah, so coming, you know, it's, it's, it, yeah, it's not the real world. So, um, I, I said, then I back and I wanted to come back. Like when I knew it was sort of normal, I came back, you know, during like an off time, it wasn't like high season for, for, for travelers. Um, you know, just sort of navigating and seeing, um, what would happen. I just loved like the, it just was like a blank canvas to me. You know, it was just, I was like, there's nothing. And there's nothing stopping me from me. There's nothing stopping me from painting this canvas any color I want to paint or paint whatever I want. So I'm like, this is like a blank canvas. I like the opportunities are huge. So I was like, you know, we're gonna give this thing a shot. So came back and just started really just figuring it out, navigating the space. Came back wanting to do more in entertainment, but entertainment. I mean, people were trying to survive. Entertainment, although it was not, you know, the industry was very, very. Uh, low level at the time, you know, and, and, and as usual, entertainment is passion driven and as much as it soothes your soul, you know, sometimes the artists don't necessarily know what they want. And then the artists also, mm -hmm. they don't like to listen. So, you know, I'm coming from, you know, working with artists, you know, at one level and trying to really help to develop it here, but people were not really in tune with it or even to really receive what I felt like I was trying to give. So I, I sort of gave in different, I didn't stop, but I gave in different ways. I did, I, you know, I, I produced, I did Akon, I had uh, Chantel. I mean, I've done quite a few concerts, um, you know, here as well. And, um, and then just really started to say, how else can I diversify and how else can I grow? You know, I'm, I'm really just in Liberia. I have to look at it and see what Africa has going on. So I, I just spend my time basically taking the skill set that I had and, and, and um, you know, putting it on the ground in Liberia. And one of the things that I used to do because I had nothing to do really, uh, I would go to the, you know, when a country is, is going through development, there are a lot of organizations, international organizations that are here doing workshops, trainings, assessment, feasibility. And so they basically would, you know, invite people to come and sit and have conversations from government officials to, people in civil society. And I was like, okay, I'll go and listen. But when mm -hmm. I went, one of the things I recognized was um, they spent so much time on the logistics of the event as opposed to the substance of why they were there. I was like, well, I can, I, I can, I can produce this. Event. I can put this event on. Like I can organize a workshop where people can actually focus on the meat of why they're here yeah. because I planned a tool, you know, I, I, I can put one plus one and plus one plus one plus one, you know, I, I can make it happen. So, so basically, that, that's how I started to really transition over into proper event planning in Liberia. And then, you know, the rest is her story, as they say, did Miss Liberia, did the International Women's Colloquium, did the high-level panel. I'm not a huge fan of, I don't really like to do weddings. I mean, but if Beyonce called, I would certainly help her and Jay renew their vows. I um, agree. I agree. I agree. <laughs> I agree. So, I agree. So, and then, and then really got interested in tourism because from a marketing and branding perspective, I really felt like, I really feel like tourism is, is, is um, not as explored as it should be for a country like Liberia, because we have more than most countries in, in Africa, mm -hmm. um, as small as we are. Plus tourism, you know, being an industry, the tourism industry of industry and the informal sector uh, can really benefit and tourism does not need high skilled workers. So it's such a great poverty reduction strategy. So I got really into tourism and did a lot of stuff with that. Um, I, I basically led the tourism trade strategy. Uh, you know, Madam Sharif had a, um, a tourism off, like a, like a, what was it called? I just went blank, but um, I basically, she created like a secretariat basically to sort of assess where tourism was. Um, and I was a part of that team, you know, as well. And so today you can go on the Ministry of Commerce website and see the tourism trade strategy that we that we worked with with the International Trade Center. And um, and so I then I also just realized at some point, you know, I, I may have climaxed in Liberia because I'm not in I'm not like I'm not trying to do construction. I'm not really looking to be in government. And um, I need to be able to really look at West African region as a country, you know, like, you know, the, the ECOWAS region as a country. And so I started to just expand and, you know, less to have clients where you know, where we do business and stuff in Ghana and, you know, and, and Nigeria back, I'd still have clients in the U S Essence, Shea Moisture, 
Um, you know, I've done a lot of stuff with even Mona and some of the other people that have relationships with there. But the cool thing about being in Liberia, really awesome, Edwin, is um, I was in America. I was in the music industry. We used to go to BET. I take my artists to BET, but I never one mess- met Bob Johnson, the owner and founder of, v- the founder of BET. Come to Liberia. Come to Liberia. They become a client of mine, right? <laughs> Tell me, yes. <laughs> that is that is one of the beauty of Liberia. I totally agree. Yeah. I totally agree with you. But you know, um, so marketing, um, branding, you have done, I think you've done it all. And you guys have taken, I think, you know, uh, for us who did grow up in Liberia, there are things that we had, you know, we had some great things, but you guys have brought a level of entertainment to Liberia that I don't think people understand what it is. And so I just want to talk about my favorite place that I love to go to when I'm in Liberia. It's called the Capitol Room. And if you're in Liberia, you should go to the Capitol Room because you will experience a lounge like you're in the states or you're in europe and yes. for me that's how I like to tell people because for me is that you guys gave me a vibe that i'm like oh this is what life is supposed to be and if you got your money you can walk in and have a good time and i think that is the for me when i go to other businesses in liberia i think for me that is the thing that i like is you got your money, you can have a good time. We're here to give you a good time. And you guys yes. give people a good time and we get our money's worth. And so I want to appreciate you for everything you've done in Liberia and you continue to do. And I'm going to move on to another segment because we do. You know, before we- you move on really quickly, so the Capitol Room is not open anymore in its, in, in its original form. So the Capitol Room now is an event rental space. Is that where, so you can now rent it as an event space. I don't want to rent it. I want to go to the bar and sit down and talk to the children at the bar and have my drink. That's what I do. I'm the weird person who loves to talk to bartenders. It's not, it's not only you, but you, so now there's some other really cool places in Liberia. There's no, another view. I ain't going there. <laughs> you were cool. You were cool. You got savvy. Uh, where else is there? Uh, oh God, what's is this to show you? I don't, I don't even get to go anymore. But is this, this is right. supermarket. right? Exactly. We don't want that. <laughs> no, that but I can't support all of your businesses. Oh, yeah, we people. No, but the that? capital room, that view is equal. So, but you know, the cool thing is now you can actually do a real. You know, you can do an event there. Uh, okay. You know, and still get the great pictures and stuff. So. Um, you know, it's it just with the economy and as we looked at, you know, just really downsizing in Liberia, but really focusing on like our core businesses, that is where, you know, that is where we are and, and, and sometimes doing that type of business. And, you know, a lot of the city has actually moved from Mamba Point towards, That's you what know, I heard. That's what I heard. So, but it's great. But this is what I'm going to do to you. I'm going to talk mm-hmm. about that man and those three other people that you have in your life. Because I think you'll be on these platforms and you don't be talking about that man. So we're going to talk about yeah. Carter. So yes. talk about him. I'm going to talk about him. We need to find out. So tell me, how did that happen? Because what I have noticed is women like you, who are extremely opinionated, who are extremely outspoken, who got their stuff together and get going, they're kind of a little bit intimidating for guys. But I see him and I'm like, no, she got the good one. That's it right there. Then go. So, so let's talk about that. How did that, you know, how did that connection happen? So, it's it, 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 so by the way, I know, I, I know, right? <laughs> by the way, Capital Room is actually Carton. Um, Peace Cafe was my baby. Yeah. Um, but of course, we support each other. Uh, so I met Carton through Musa Shannon. That's how I met Carton. And the crazy thing is Carton actually also worked in the entertainment industry in the, in the U.S. So we happened to know he worked for um, Cash Money and uh, he, had a, um, he had his uh, marketing promotion company called Palava mm-hmm. Hut. And they did a lot of work. In fact, they worked with you know, Destiny Child. Like they worked with a lot of people. He was in Houston. And so we know a lot of we know mutual people in the industry, but I've never met him. Come to Liberia, Musa says, oh my God, Baku, I have a friend, you know, you weren't here when he came, you traveled, but you gotta meet this guy because he's like, I know you, they, they, they bought, you know, if you saw Shannon, they bought, you bought, you bought, no, he, you know, it was really more, you and his boy would be friends. Like he just thought that y'all would connect because oh, he okay. into the same thing, whatever. And so next time Karton comes to Liberia, I was here. And so Musa, 
had like a like a group of friends over, you know, just like the host Carton, and you know, obviously invited me because he was like, "You got to meet this guy." And I, can I tell you, it honestly, instantly we clicked as friends, like instant. Like it was so funny. We I used to call him my Skype friend because we would that time I was on Skype. Um, we would Skype like five times. A, like we would Skype, like it would be nonstop Skyping. And I used to call him Skype. For that. <laughs> my other drink finished, but there's a limitation to mine because <laughs> I got I gotta lose weight for this for, for being on the summit camera. So okay, um, good. So so that's how I met him. I met him here. I met him with a uh, 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 no. This time we met. Okay, great. And so you guys meet. Life happened, and you proposed to. So can I tell you guys? I'll tell you. Yes, we need to know. Right? Trust me. I, so there's I, a person here. There is I, a person called Asatu Ash, Shannon over here talking about. Hey, yeah, Ashana against <laughs> the boss lady's life. <laughs> you see, Asatu. You see, I can't see the comments. So I, if you guys are commenting, I can't see it. But um. But um, yeah, so yeah, you know, you know, Shannon's. I love the Shannon's. Asatu's one of my favorite Shannon's. That's, you know, that's, that's my favorite. That's she's my favorite one of my favorite Shannon's. Yes. Um. So the funny thing with Cartan is Cartan and I are both like we're we're entrepreneurs to the core. I think what attracted us to each other is just because we knew together be explosive. You know, I think we're attracted more to each other in terms of the fact that we could do explosive things in business. Um, but we were physically attracted to each other. Just knew like okay. Long term, we can make some shit happen. Um, and then we just have very similar goals. You know, we just always, our, our goals are just always, and even when we don't agree on the direction and how we're going to get there, the goal is actually the same, you know? And I think that's what, what keeps it together. And again, like I said, we talked on Skype like five times a day. He is really my friend. Like that is Amazing. my homie. So that's what, it sucks when we, when we don't speak for a couple of days because then so much goes by. But you know we're married. You just don't like them for a few days and stuff. Oh, you know, yeah. you just it is what it is. So, um, so he proposes. So he, he might disagree, but I don't think I was the person who really pushed the proposal. But once I once I got once I got proposed to, I was like, okay, now I want to get married. Yeah, <laughs> but I, I don't think I pushed the proposal. However, so I'll tell you, I'll, I'll actually tell you how the proposal happened, and you guys are gonna probably say I'm horrible, and I'll accept it, and that's your business. I don't really care. Um, so we were living, you know, uh, uh, we were living in our in our house, and um, I had a, I, I had built this small apartment in my mom's house, and so you know, Carton was like, okay, it was like a studio, really cute, um, available for rent because <laughs> I'm not there anymore. <laughs> it's really cute, but so we moved from there. We moved to uh, uh, Dubois and um, first of all, Duvaru was really far, but it was a much bigger house uh, in his parents' compound, two bedrooms, you know, bathrooms, you know, we fixed it up. He, he did a great job. That's his thing. Um, even our house now, it's, it's like our, this house we live in now in Liberia is Carton's work of art. So, um, but I used to complain all the time. I'm like, there is no mirror here. How can I get dressed and there's no mirror? Like I'm, I, when I say every day, Every day that mirror story was, I was so annoyed. I'm like, listen, I was like, hey, let me tell you something. Since you don't want to find me a mirror, I was like, when you were in my apartment, we had a mirror. I'm, I, you were going to find me a mirror in this house. It was, I mean, it was every day, like annoyingly. And I, and I wouldn't nag. I would just make my, it was just a comment every day. Comment every day. And it was so funny. I used to be like, I'm going to find me a mobile mirror. I'll put it up when I finish using it. I'll pack it. And I'll, <laughs> so you can, you can. So, yeah. So since you think a mirror is important, you know, what you call it. So this May, you know, uh, uh, June, June 23rd, um, I'm laying in bed and, you know, he said, come outside. I come outside and there's a mirror and we actually still have the mirror. It's a full length mirror. And he wrote, if you see yourself being married to me, because there's a mirror, see yourself. <laughs> that PTO. And so like, you know, like you're please turn over. So um, I turned the back and then there was the, the, the ring. There was the, the box with the ring at, you know, and Here's where it gets tricky. The mirror, the production of it all, amazing. 
turning over and him not seeing him on his knees, he was laying in the bed watching it. Like he was laying. I was like, um, so I was like, well, he went too fast. I said, well, you bought me a gift because the question was, if I see myself, of course I see myself being married to you. Thank you for my ring. <laughs> He was too, he was too annoyed. So I have friends, I'm, whenever I tell my friends this story, they're like, Baku, you are absolutely horrible. And they're like, the man through- I am that. mad. I'm like sweating. I am mad. You you mad at me or you mad at yeah. him? Yeah, mad at you. <laughs> <laughs> you messed up the entire production. No. He, I should have turned around in the mirror and he should have been on his knees so that, that I tell him all the time. So whenever we watch a movie or, or we talk to friends who are getting engaged or whatever, and in, or watching the person gets down and they say, will you marry me? I'm like, oh, look at that. He asked her. She got a chance to answer. You are horrible. <laughs> but to know, first of all, you know, you talk about me opinionated. Trust me, don't mind Carton. He, he, he got opinions for days. Good. Like he is not a pushover. He's just a lot gentler than I am. But he is, you know, he is, he is so much fun. You know, gone are the days where we talk about it all the time. Gone are the days where we just used to get up and go and travel all the time because now, you know, now we got, you know, PSKs, you know, so, so that's my proposal story. So I'm, I'm, I'm asking you guys to advocate on my behalf for me to get a real proposal I agree. for our 10th anniversary so he can get on his knees. Because my husband let the bluff, he, he, you know, he want dead Yeah, man, want dead So I feel like he owes me a will you marry me? And by uh, then I'll probably be, you know, really skinny and my hair be longer. <laughs> and I'll tell him I'll think about it. And I'll walk away. <laughs> you know what? I ain't messing with you. I ain't messing with you on that. But I think this is a great segment for us to go into. We're almost done. But I want you to tell me your experience when the doctor told you that you were pregnant triplets. Child, listen. So, first of all, the doctor, I'm laying on the thing and the doctor says, uh, first of all, when we talk, we, we, I'm giving you all the G's, giving you like, I'm giving you too much. Like yes, I told you. You know, I'm not talking about after 11 ever again. Um, <laughs> we actually thought we, 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 we found out we were pregnant and then we actually thought we lost the baby. Oh, wow. So we were doing the, uh, you know, you do blood tests. They tell you to do blood tests. And sometimes, you know, my doctor was saying, you know, just don't do blood tests. They like to, for you to come like six weeks, but then they check everything and just make sure everything's going okay. But of course, Miss Anxious, you know, checking all the blood and, you know, doing all of that stuff. Um, the numbers were going down, I, BHP, I don't even remember what it's called no more. Um, but the, the number was going down and it was supposed to be going up when you're pregnant. So, you know, I had just, we went through the whole mental, emotional, spiritual, uh, uh, um, you know, process of it all, acceptance that, you know what, well, you know, maybe, because nine times out of 10, normally when this happens, people lose if there's a miscarriage you lose the baby yeah. so when i lay on the doctor's table thinking that you know he was like go to the lab to like this thing says the number looks strange to him he was like get on the table so i get on the table and he does the all sound and and, and i and i can show i have the first one it's in a frame um when we first heard doo -doo -doo -doo, you know like the heartbeat and i was like <gasps> i was like real heartbeat and so he was like yeah i was like oh my you know and so i'm and then but then his face changes and he's like he was like, but then you have a, no, I see him writing trip one, trip two, trip three. And I, I'm not, I'm just like, you know, okay, I hear a heartbeat. So clearly there's something there, but then he's like, but oh, you have a real problem. And I was like, I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. he was like, you're having three. My Lord. Yeah, I, first of all, I couldn't, they did not, the doctors didn't, I was like, oh, that's exactly what I said. I said, oh, the doctors, the nurses, they started dying laughing. I was like, the doctor, the doctor was amazing. He was like, you know, you're going to be staying in those five-star hotels anymore. He was like, I was like, oh my God. So I'm just, and like, right at this point now, like, you know, you're, 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 
overjoyed and overwhelmed, you're like, you know, all at the same time. And you're just like, oh my God, oh my God. And so I call, I call Carton and I was like, he actually was at the cafe and I was like, go sit in your car. And so he went to, 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 to sit in his car and I said, um, so we are pregnant and the baby is fine. I said, but you know, there is, there is an issue. He said, what? I said, we're not having one baby. He was like, oh, we having twins? I was like, nope. He said, we have, he's like, what, what are we having? I said, we're having three. And we both just bust out laughing. Like, it was like a joke. Yes. It was hilarious. <laughs> are you kidding me? We're looking for one, now we got three. <laughs> and let me tell you, for people that have seen uh, Tina Turner, what's love got to do with it? Uh -huh. at, at some point, like I used to be like, what are three more kids? <laughs> Meanwhile, I have no other kids. It's like, what am I do with three more kids? What am I do with three? Because I always knew, like, you know, Baku on the go. Like, I have to travel for work. I move. I'm like, a, I'm a workaholic. I love what I love to work. Like, I just, I like to go, 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 go. I just always knew I'm going to have my baby, put them in the backpacks. You know, we just, you know, we'll, we'll keep it moving. Three? What was I going to do with three? But I, I went through, like, it, it took me a while to get to the point to accept that I was having three and then really be able to celebrate God's amazing blessing on my life. So that was a whole process. But that was my journey to. And that's amazing because I for for us guys who have had the opportunity to be with a woman and then she do get pregnant and then she give birth. For me, I tell my friends, I say, that is the moment I knew how wonderful God is. Yes. Because when you're with a woman, you see her body change trimester by trimester. You see everything about her change yes. when she's carrying that child. And you are carrying three. So everything yeah, about right, even yeah. your mental psychic, everything changed. But God, at the end of the day, he works it out for your good. Yeah, because at the end of the day, when you're... Like I just have one, and the, the doctors literally had to open the window for me to put my head outside because I almost passed out. <laughs> and the doctor was like, "Um, aren't you?" I'm like, "Yeah, that's me, sir. This is not for me." Right, so right. It's like I think it's like the if you didn't know that God, if no one knew that God is real from that entire, I'm like, they got to. Be I, I get to. I get to. I get to see me. I get to see those little miracles every day because I honestly yeah. do believe that's what's happening, and I do believe that that god is the reason and they were miracles and that's why yes. you know they're still here i honestly 100 percent um you know believe that and so every day i look at them i am reminded constantly of the man behind the miracle yes you know? and, and 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 um i i am just absolutely amazed and uh i cannot believe it that i'm even a, somebody's mother um, but you three people mom <laughs> three people's mama and, three it, people's mama. and it's funny because you watch him. I just have one, but my sister got three kids and I see the three different personalities. And oh, I'm like, okay, I just got one and he got 25. Like, hi, that's what it feels like. Yeah. But you know, now, so the cool thing is now that, now that they're, they're four is, mm -hmm. you know, you, you're, you're getting, you know, cause I hear when they're five, it's even, it, it gets, that's when it really starts to get a lot easier. But you know, now that they're four, um, you know, I, I, I know people that want more kids and I'm like, I don't, I don't need to have any more kids. Like this is, I'm good. You know, I'm, you I'm good. Good. But, but I think God also knew that because I never, ever want to be pregnant. Like, I don't, I don't, I, I would never want to be pregnant, like ever like wow. pregnancy. And, and, and by the way, I did not have a bad pregnancy. I was not on bed rest. Three. I was, I was never on bed rest at all. Wow. The only time that I had to sit down was after my shower. They had a shower for me in Baltimore. January 29th and the day was when all my feet started swelling and then I had the kids in March, but I was still walking, you know, I would, you know, me and my sister would go to Target. She would crack up because I would actually sit. Um, I'd be like, let me get the straight, like, you know, the weird thing. <laughs> in fact, the other day she sent me the video of what that is. And, but I didn't have a bad pregnancy. The only reason I didn't like pregnancy is because it really, it, you know, it slows you down. You, you, you have to treat your body well to to make sure you take care of your 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 baby and so i you know I, I i couldn't i didn't have crazy cravings i did when i was when i was still in liberia before i left to go to the states like i want a grave fanta you know that was my thing i want a grave fanta grave fanta like it was so weird i got to america i want a mcdonald's i don't even eat mcdonald's uh, i want to make but every time they bring the mcdonald's then i'll be like i'm not hungry anymore 
it was oh, wow. yeah it, it was crazy so pregnancy but like, today you know, you know let me ladies ladies that are on here let me tell you about pregnancy what they don't tell you as beautiful as those babies are when you get them and you forget everything you've gone through you do go through quite a bit to, to get there for the most women and every pregnancy different um you know but everybody has their own story Sometimes people your first child is the easy breezy no problem your second child is like takes everything out of you you swell up I ended up towards the end had carpal tunnel, so I used to have to wear like the braces. The braces. I was then okay. I was sleeping. I used to the, I used to have a chair um, in our apartment in my bedroom. I still have it in my house right now. Um, and I would I, I would sleep sleeping up because I couldn't like lay down. I would just literally stay in the rocking chair and just sleep uh -huh. right there. Um, you just go through your body goes through quite a bit. It's 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 a bit much. And I think you know postpartum I think is real. Postpartum it's I think is something. Important. Yeah. And I think men go through postpartum too, by the oh, way. Oh, definitely. Women that are listening. And and I think everybody through postpartum just varying degrees. So I think that's what, you know, people have to recognize. And, and of course, being Baku, trying to navigate, you know, three babies, I was trying to figure out how to be relevant in my workspace and, you know, not accepting that, you know, you can't even get on a, a call, bitch. Like, sit down somewhere. Sit down. Sit down Go be mama. Like you know. So yeah. I, I went through. I went through a lot of transition. I think I'm honestly, Edwin. I think I'm just getting back to Baku right now. Wow. You know, I'm just getting back to 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 officially getting things back on track. Wow. But we want. But you know, you're an amazing person. You have taken us on a journey with your entire life for one hour. But I have one more question for you. Go right ahead. What has been the biggest misconception you have heard about Baku? Woo! Wow. Gosh, that's a really good question. I just think there's so many, and I think people just don't know me. And I think what you know what I think people don't realize a couple of things. I think think people don't realize that I'm so excited and they assume things about me without really getting to know me. So I think they think maybe I'm, uh, you know, I, I think I'm too good, but here's the thing. I know I'm extremely good, but, yeah. I'm, not but I'm not better than anybody. And, you know, that's, that's why if you notice my platform, you talk like I, I, I provide opportunities for so many people. So many people in Liberia can tell you about opportunities I've done. People in America can tell you that's just who I am. I'm very accessible. Um, and I don't think I'm better than anybody. I think that's, I think the, the, the misconception, probably that's one of the misconceptions. Um, and uh, I think that's probably the biggest misconception, you know, about me is people assume, but when I say people, I have to say Liberian, not American, you know, I, I don't, yeah. I, I don't, I don't, I think yeah, it's a different. Yeah, I, I, mm -hmm. I understand. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't think it's, I don't think it's Americans. It's, it's, it's Liberian because I, I collaborate very well with, 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 Americans, I think my work, you know, my work ethics, uh, when I say Americans, I mean, people, you know, outside of Liberia, I shouldn't just call them, you know, but I'm just a workaholic. So, you know, I'm not really good at partnering in terms of business because my brand is, I, I worked really hard for it. I'm learning to partner with people, but I've tried. It just always hasn't worked. Um, you know, I want to, it just always hasn't worked, but I think the biggest misconception would probably be what people assume that I am without really just even taking the time to get to know me. And honestly, it's not that difficult to get to know me. I'm so easy to access. I'm on Facebook. Don't DM me because, I mean, don't send me private messages on Facebook because I just really don't check messengers anymore. And the truth is, off Facebook a lot because I feel like Liberian Facebook can be very toxic. So, Extremely um, toxic. So I'm not really interested as much. You know, I go on to celebrate people and, and you know, there's some people who I think are hilarious to follow on Facebook because their jokes are so funny. And, um, but, you know, Instagram, DM me, and, but just don't say, just hide. Say something, you know, of substance and I will seriously have a conversation with you. Um, I'm not that difficult to find. Uh, and, and I really am very collective. And you say that. And so from the conversation to... Dear conversation, boss lady, we want to let you know that you are extremely accessible because we have no problem. We were able to reach out to you. We got you. We booked you. And we have made this happen. And it has been an amazing show. There's been an amazing time with you. I appreciate you. Um, we say thank you for everything that you do. You continue to do in Liberia. You have exposed our Liberian girls to things that some of us couldn't even imagine it was possible. You're giving so much of yourself to Liberia. 
So we want to say thank you. It was great having you. And there's just one thing you want to say to the ladies out there because they're watching and they're sending their comments in. Just let them have it. Just one thing. And then we're done. I, you know, honestly, like I came to Liberia and I actually did the very first reality show. I did the Miss Liberia reality TV show when there wasn't a lot here. And I think that, you know, I want to say to Liberian girls who, by the way, I think now are incredible. There are so many of them that are dope as entrepreneurs, they just, their dreams, they're starting to dream, you know, they're starting to have real dreams. And, and, and I want them to know that, you know, regardless of their present reality, um, their dreams should continue to drive them and they should continue to find ways to understand that they are, and that they are a legacy. And so that's what I want them to know because I love, love, love me a dope ass Liberian boss lady. And this was the conversation outspoken and opinionated with the boss lady Baku Tapon Zawalo. And I want to say good night, everybody. Have a great time. And Baku, you were dope. <laughs>